0: It's time to get your shit together with the Gist of It podcast with your host, Chris Piercy.
1: Hi there, this is Chris Piercy with the Gist of It podcast. uh, Here today with an interview with uh, Danielle Manton Kelly, who I've been thinking about how to introduce her if you don't know her already. Uh, But she's a a mother of four, she is an entrepreneur, Uh, she is a, a qualified teacher, and just a an all-round good egg um, with a a phenomenal skill set and lots of interesting tales from life so I thought she'd be a great person to have on and uh, chat about all sorts of uh, different things so uh, how are you this morning?
0: I'm good I'm very good actually the sun started to come out which instantly changes my mood wherever I am in my life Uh, so I'm I'm good.
1: I'm I'm a bit strange in that um, the day I look forward to in the in coming up to Christmas, the day I look forward to is the 21st of December, not the 25th that the kids are excited about the 21st, because that's the uh, uh, winter solstice. And all of a sudden it starts getting lighter in the evenings rather than darker. Um, Cause I think when it gets dark at like half four, like that lack of light, I just go, Oh my God. Um, so I really yeah. look forward to it getting lighter again. And now it's coming around to the time when it's a, you know, it's still light at half five or six o'clock. And you think, oh, it's nearly spring. It's not nearly spring, but you know what I mean.
0: I'm so there with you. It's really funny as an adult, the, the shift in things that excite you. And I'm exactly the same with winter solstice. So um, my husband, Steve, like woke up that day and was like, oh my goodness, it's the shortest day. We don't have to live in this nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, And it was really funny. Actually, I went out to work last week and I came out of a session that I was doing I was doing a live for TikTok and they have skylights and I looked up and I'm so used to coming out and it it just being black in the sky and I didn't even realize that they had skylights because I always I'm always there first thing at morning last thing at night and I looked up and I was like oh is that is that a mechanical thing? Did they change the lights around? And then realized it was still light at quarter to five. And it really threw me, but it was the best feeling in the world. Um, And even though it was a few extra minutes, because by the time I left work, it was dark again, but it's just everything. I think when you're an adult, you really, really cling on to that sunshine and how much of a difference it makes in how much you can achieve.
1: Yeah, I think that when as I'm getting older and I sometimes I feel old and some days I feel younger but like on the days that I feel old I go right I really really like sleep like not not that I kind of sleep overly but I just go I'm gonna make sure that I get good sleep that's like my thing that is so important I mean I think it's so important to everyone whether they kind of have an understanding or not but I'm really like well I'm gonna make sure I get my eight hours or whatever um well actually we've been doing something a bit different recently where um apparently the reason why you wake up tired even if you feel like you've had enough sleep is because you've woken up at the wrong time so you should try and you should try and wake up at a multiple of an hour and a half so over an hour and a half three hours four and a half hours six hours or seven and a half hours so i aim for the seven and a half hours marked uh typically um so, yeah, that's a, something so people can do.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the four pillars. And I think it's this is important to know as an adult, but as somebody who is also in business, those four pillars, uh, what is it? Exercise, sleep, diet, and stress. If one of them is crumbling or doesn't have the proper foundations, then they're your foundations for life. And if one of them isn't working properly or you haven't given it enough time and attention, then whatever you're building is going to it's going to be shaky. It's it's not going to be strong. And so sleep is is massive. And it's one of those things I now hold as completely sacred, um, along with, you know, diet, exercise and trying to manage stress in whatever way I can. And it definitely helps. I'm so much more able to kind of get through the, the more difficult days at work or the more difficult days where I'm sort of balancing family life and work life. So, yeah, it's absolutely huge. I'm with you there.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the four pillars thing is interesting because the, the, the way that I look at it is that um, with the diet, exercise and sleep, it's very, very easy to have a pretty strong control over them because you just go, well, I'm going to go to sleep at this time or I'm going to do this exercise um, regime or I'm going to eat this food and blah, blah, blah. Uh, That feels very much in control. I mean, the sleep thing can be affected by children, especially if you've got a a young child. But um, in general, um, those three ones have, you've got a pretty strong control over the stress thing is is more difficult because you know whilst you know I'm a strong believer that it's not what happened to us that um, affects us, it's how we react to it. it can be really, really difficult if you've got a particular person or a particular event which is causing you huge amounts of stress or coming in and it's just a stressful thing and there isn't an easy solution or the solution is going to be a long- term thing it can be it can be tricky much trickier to manage that so what what's what's something that you've used what you've done in the in the past what your go-to coping mechanisms for stress
0: so the the one thing i will do predominantly is focus in on the other three pillars especially diet um i kind of find that if i am feeling really stressed I will automatically start to reach for more sugary foods. I'll I'll start to forget to do the things in my diet that take care of me. So taking vitamins, supplements. And so I tap into my, I have a nutritional therapist and I tap into him. Um, and I take magnesium, which is something that's known to kind of really calm and, and help with the brain. And so knowing that I can kind of almost feed off of those, like feed off of and lean into those other three pillars. Although it's not completely reducing my stress, it's it it kind of helps sugarcoat the things that are impacting it. And then again, I will also start to just refamiliarize myself with the things that make me go ah. Um, and those are predominantly like a really nice long bath. Um, it might be you know things that I can afford at any time and that I can build into my day. The bath is the biggest one, and I always come back to it because no matter what type of stress I'm feeling, it's the one thing that just pulls me away. Even if it's just for 20 minutes, although I end up being in there for about an hour, it's everything. Um, Because obviously it helps with pain relief. It brings me away from the world. The sounds in there are different. I find water very soothing. Um, and then other things like, you know, attempting some kind of meditation, going for a walk, talking with a friend. So just little things. And I've only found those things from being really honest with myself. So whatever I'm doing in the day, I kind of check in with myself very, very quickly and just say, actually, on a scale of one to R, ah, <laughs> where am I? Um, so it might be that I'm watching something that I absolutely adore of an evening on tv and if it's just given me a moment to quiet my mind I'll put that on the list and I write those things down so if I've been drawing with my little ones or gosh even you know something just looking after myself so it might be that I'm even just doing something like painting my nails just something that's mine And if I have those things written down on a list, then if I am feeling stressed, I can go to that list. I don't have to think for myself. I've already written it down. And then I just try and do a couple of those things, Um, that and breath work. But, you know, we're always going to come into contact with stress and it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it might be that we're doing something for a project that really excites us. And we get those same sorts of feelings within our body. Uh, That we do when something maybe bad happens. So I don't know about you, if I'm about to go and do a talk or I'm doing something new for my business, I might get the butterflies in my stomach. I might feel a little bit of tension. I might be a little bit shaky. My heart rate is higher. And being aware of that, all of those things are stress. You know, exercising more than I'm used to puts a stress on my body. Sleeping a little less than usual puts a stress on my body. All of those things. Give your body the same response. And so, really, for me, I'm just finding that just checking in with myself all of the time, knowing when I feel good, knowing when I feel not so good, and being really, really honest with what causes those things and what helps me to move along a middle track. That's been really important for me. And it's been absolutely groundbreaking in my life because I've always done too much. And so, yeah, that's, it's been huge just having that honesty and that honest conversation and, um, and and understanding as well that I can't always avoid stress and I can't always combat it. And knowing that almost helps me move through it a little bit better.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, um, because you reminded me of something which I'll go into in just a second, but when you first kind of had this kind of realization of what you needed in and I'm going to kind of lump all of what you just said into essentially being self-care which I think is a yeah did you find that you felt guilty for giving yourself that time towards the start
0: um I used to
1: yeah At, at, Yeah, at, at the start yeah it's um that, that was gonna be yeah that was my things like as a as a mother who you know you feel you've got to look after your children, you've got to look after your partner to an extent and you're gonna have other responsibilities as well it's um you can feel like, oh well, I've got all these other people I need to look after yeah. like how how dare I look <laughs> after myself um, so
0: the biggest help with that I find is mantras. Um, and if I do feel that creeping guilt kind of coming in, then I use these kind of questions. Have I fed them? Are they warm? Are they occupied? And have I done something today to fill their cup? And if the answers to those questions are yes, which they always are, because obviously I do feed my children. We're in a lovely warm house. They have things to keep them occupied and we do lots of things, you know, to make sure that they're smiling and they're learning and developing, then if those answers are yes, then I allow myself that time because I then say to myself, well, if I haven't done those things for myself, I cannot continue to do those things for them. Because the, the one thing about being a parent is the monotony of, you know it's a cycle it's a constant cycle I have to feed them I have to keep them happy I have to keep them warm I have to make sure their needs are met and if their needs are met then I have to then go and meet my own and that's how I do it and it has allowed me to be okay with filling my own cup
1: yeah you can't pour from an empty cup as uh, as they say no um, you
0: really can't
1: and it's it's what it's one thing that um you know a lot of my hypnotherapy and kind of life coaching clients um you know if you're a nice person if you're like a, like a a really nice yes person um you tend to just do whatever for everyone else if you're a pleaser and then it comes to the point where you find yourself in therapy or life coaching or whatever it might be wondering why you feel so exhausted why you feel so sad why you blah 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 and you realize that you're doing everything for everyone else nothing for yourself um and then using the excuse that oh I need to do this for someone else like well you literally will find yourself unable to do any of the things any of that people pleasing um if you don't start looking after yourself Um,
0: absolutely and the thing is it boils down to some difficult conversations because sometimes we do have to say, look, I really want to do this thing for you. I really want to be here for you, but I actually need to put me first at the moment. And I'm really sorry about that. And I know that that might make you feel some, some kind of negative feelings yourself, but I, if I don't do this for me right now, there will not be much of me left for you. And the thing is, I always say it with business, you cannot expect to climb what I call like the, the business tree without having difficult conversations and the more difficult conversations you have as a business owner the better you do because you you cannot achieve by not having them because that's what it you know it's like planting seeds you can't plant a, plant a seed without digging it takes work and it takes time and not all of that is going to be easy. That's growth. Growth is painful. And so it's not just about being able to have those difficult uh, conversations with colleagues and and business partners. It's about having them with yourself and having them with the people around you that you love. That includes your, your friends, your family, your spouses, partners, and your children. And I promise you that the more difficult conversations that you have in every aspect of your life you start to kind of recoin that as honesty and I'm not saying you know to be saying right, I'm going to do this for me now I'm being selfish I got to put me first (laughs) I'm not saying that obviously there's there's ways of having those conversations that are respectful for both parties but the more you do that the more honest you are with those around you the more honest you are with yourself in all aspects of your life the more you're able to progress in the self-care. And and that has huge, huge, huge ripples for every other part of what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think that the um, selfish is a a, a dirty word amongst a lot of people, but actually being selfish is really important sometimes. It's, um, the thing I said um, said it reminded me of, um, it's a good time to mention now as. One of my very first um, hypnotherapy—I uh, think she was uh, actually a case study. So one of the first people I'd gone, gone out into the world, found someone I didn't know, and helped them. Um, she was a skin picker; uh, it's like picked, like picked her skin all the time. I had like scabs and scratches and all sorts, mainly on her arms. And did some therapy with her, and kind of ended up kind of having this conversation. I don't want to go too deep into the hypnotherapy side of things but kind of having a conversation with the part of her brain that was making her pick her skin mm. and it just basically turned out she said I'm trying to get her attention like yeah like look, look after me um and essentially all, all that changed between that session I had with her and a week later was that she said she was going to Make herself go swimming a couple of times, and she was going to have uh, a nice hot bath with candles and stuff um, three times in that week. That and she did that, and basically she didn't pick her skin all week. Wow! Just because, which is is just is crazy to to, but you know our, our brains are never trying to do us harm. So when they're doing yeah. when they're doing stuff, it's for there's a positive benefit that the the brain is trying to achieve you somewhere along the line um and in this case it was just like yeah give yourself some time give yourself some space give yourself some attention rather than you know running around like a headless chicken like making sure everyone else is okay so that's um that selfishness is is really important sometimes
0: I mean, I, I like to think of it so I know that sometimes when people think of inner child work, they think of it being this like gooey conversation with this like, you know, cute little kid. And actually, I think of inner child work as being hugely important because when we look at um a toddler or a baby or a three-year-old, we actually, when we think about the terrible twos, we're thinking about children who are actually really quite angry and destructive. And actually, If a child is destructive, if they are angry, if they're screaming all the time, if they're throwing stuff, really predominantly, they're not choosing to be, you know, naughty. And I I use that term very loosely. They're trying to tell us something. It's the only way they can communicate. And so often when we do present with things like skin picking, um, you know, any kind of, I guess, self-harm, eating disorders, things like that. I do sometimes wonder if we were then to look at, you know, that part of yourself as a child and you're, It's. It, I guess it goes back to what you're saying. What is that child? What is that part of ourselves? trying to say in the rawest way they can because they know no better our brains don't go outside of us and see the world they only really get messages from how we depict those experiences and so in that respect they're also very childlike as well because it's all very primal um and i yeah i I, i've done um obviously as you know hypnotherapy myself um and i i look at it as it being such a primal childlike thing. And if we're looking after and caring for a child, we listen much more carefully to it. You know, I've raised four children when they're having these moments of pure chaos and destruction I can't get by in my day by ignoring them. I have to come down to their level, put their hands on my face, put my hands on theirs Mm. and listen. And it's not just listening to what they're saying because in sometimes, in some ways they can't, it's thinking, okay, what are you doing? What are we missing? What have I not given you? What do you need? And I think that we can learn so much from the way that we talk to the children in our lives to yeah, then bring yeah. that back to ourselves,
1: yeah. I mean, it's if a child's throwing a chair across the room and breaking it, it's not because they've gone, "Hey, I fancy breaking a chair." You know, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a there's a motivation behind it, um, which could be you know a- any any number of things. But like you said, it all comes down to to listenings, and I think that you know whether it's listening to an, an actual child or whether it's listening to you know, an inner voice or an inner compulsion um, that has to be listened to because that mm. that's where the that's where the answers lie in terms of improving things for yourself. So, whilst it's important to listen to ourselves, I think that you know when I, when I look at how I was going back 15, 20 years, you know, I wasn't in a position where that was even on my radar and I don't know whether I nearly said kids but I was kind of thinking about kind of people in their early 20s but in your 20s do you think that you even have that awareness of that sort of thing you know because so much of what I that makes me mentally healthy and gives me such a resilient and kind of useful mindset is stuff that I've learned in the last five maybe 10 years but mainly in the last five five to eight years I'm gonna say so that's all time within my 30s um what do you I mean do you think that people in their 20s and late teens are even cognizant of this sort of thing I mean
0: so I definitely think that there is an awareness but I I feel like In my 30s, I started to get to a point where I realized I was human. And so, whereas in my 20s, I I really thought I could do and have it all you know, the, the family, the career, working around the clock. And I poured every ounce of myself into those things and although i feel like there was an awareness i know everybody around me was sort of saying you know gosh you need to slow down you're doing too much in my 20s i very much saw that as a okay well they're probably just you know they don't understand they don't understand what where i am in my career and the sacrifices that entails and then i got to my 30s and my body basically started to scream at me and, would, and, and what it was saying was, this isn't, this isn't going to work forever. Something's got to give. And likely at the rate you're going, it will be your body. And I had entered into that moment with some pretty kind of devastating diagnoses of various different ailments that are now happening within my body. And then we entered lockdown. And it was really, really interesting, because I think I would have started to change the way that I was going, but it definitely would not have been in 2019. I had trips around the world booked, we were franchising, everything was going mental. And I was really, really, really excited about that year. And then all of a sudden, I was forced to be at home. And although that in no way meant that I stopped. It meant that I had to reset my navigation. And the gift that that bought me, although it bought many, many challenges, was I was forced to reflect. And I know that this is old news now. Everybody was forced to reflect in that year. We all changed our lives. But in just the same way as the world stopping meant that kind of nature came back, me stopping meant that some semblance of myself came back and I started to feel better and things like my migraines pretty much stopped. And, and these illnesses and these pains that had really kind of delayed me and made my life kind of miserable on some days started to slow down. And I had to ask myself questions and, and kind of think, well, this has got to do with the amount I'm pouring into what I'm doing and is there a way I can continue to feel like I'm growing while also finding balance and that has been absolutely huge for me and so going back to the question in my 20s in my teens absolutely not I I I knew that these things were being spoken about the idea of self-care the idea of balance but I felt, I felt like I was immune to them. I felt like I didn't need them. And I think it's very common in your thirties. You know, we start to look after ourselves a little bit more. We might take supplements. We understand the value of sleep. We start to feel a little bit more creaky when we stand up, we make more noises. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that definitely age has played a massive, massive part that has been sped up by the fact that we went into a lockdown and so now it's something that I really, really sing about is, you know, gosh, listen to those people who are telling you to slow down.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel like you had those voices telling you to slow down when you're in your twenties?
0: Yeah, I do. I just really didn't want to listen to them in the same way. I think that a teenage or somebody in their early twenties doesn't want to listen to their elders. Yeah. Um, and then we suddenly get to 30 and I think we start to take it. And that's for, you know, that's for various different reasons. It's not just the way that we feel. It's what we see around us. It's it's suddenly realizing that you're, you know, getting to the same age that your teachers were when you thought they were seriously old when you were a teenager. You know, it's 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 kind of your perception of everything around you changes because you suddenly feel more adulty
1: yeah um, and, and that's
0: huge it's huge it's not to be scoffed at it it changes you
1: so uh, yeah it's it's quite interesting you just reminded me of um something that i've that i've been like it's been in my head for a while and i've not had the, the 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 space to kind of um vocalize it um but you know um well it's the most ridiculous question ever um, you know, you notice know that the series Friends, yeah, um, and you know the the um, the opening song, yeah. Do, do you remember what the first line is?
0: <laughs> yeah. So no one told you life was gonna be this way.
1: Clap <laughs> clap clap. I was like, clap <laughs> clap clap. No, <laughs> uh, no, everyone fucking told you life was gonna be this way. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like yeah, like don't waste your youth, like enjoy your enjoy your life um and then it's gonna get you're gonna get tired quicker and your hangovers are gonna get worse and like everyone who's older than you told you it was gonna be exactly how it is now and you went, like no 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 it's not it's like no nah. so no one told you life was gonna be this way uh yes they did we're so
0: blinkered by it we're so so blinkered by it and I think for good reason because otherwise we would be entering in our 20s you know like smearing ourselves with moisturizer and going to bed you know we wouldn't be having fun and so we you know we are we're completely blind to it and I think for good reason and I think it's the same with childhood you know my gosh I used to jump out of trees when I was a child and I thought I could fly and and that was wonderful because I learned all the things I needed to about boundaries and you learn in a different way and so I don't think it's a bad thing you know sometimes it can be because obviously sometimes we can cause injury that we then spend the rest of our lives trying to repair emotionally and physically but you know when you look back and you think "Oh, I'm really glad I lived like I, I loved it yeah it's it's such a double-edged sword. It really, really is. And I, I see people coming into my industry who are in their twenties, and you know they're desperate for the work, and they they contact me and saying, "Yeah, come on, bring me more work. I can do it. I, I want to. I can travel three to four hours from where I live, and I'm happy to do anything you throw at me. And I'm there. Like, just like I can't even tell you. I, yeah. you know, I can't. I I can't. You have to live it. You have to experience it yourself.
1: I think that when you're when you get into your 30s and and onwards i think that anything which is outside of the norm to your kind of norm your normal life anything that's kind of is outside of those boundaries it's a kind of like well what's the cost benefit analysis of this is like <laughs> yeah i can go and have a night out and you know get in at three in the morning but the uh, the uh that the benefit is that i'll go and have a good time the cost is that you know sunday and most of monday is going to be written off or, <laughs> you know it's um things of that nature whereas i think that you just look at the benefits when you're younger you know the the, the consequences you don't even even think about it's just like yeah, yeah cool do. i'm gonna do that and that's and yeah it's um it, it's a I shame feel- that uh it kind of catches up with you in the the costs start getting higher and the benefits start getting a bit less.
0: Well, I think also, you know, we're 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 told in school that we're going to get a certificate for attendance. And that that in childhood, you know, if you show up it's great. That's what we're being told day in day out from the age of 4. If you're here, that's what we need from you. 100%. And that is in our roots. That's, that's ingrained. And then we watch films, you know, as children, as a child, I grew up watching The Devil Wears Prada and gosh, I can, I can name so many other things that I grew up watching. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xena Warrior Princess. I was watching these women doing it all. Mm. all the time 24 seven they were heroes in my eyes because it didn't matter how how hard things got how many plates they were spinning they always came through and I mean gosh you know you look at things like Legally Blonde it, it was all of these wonderful women and it was great that we were celebrating women in this way celebrating people in this way but it has this capacity to lead us down a really quite negative track and it's again like I say it's a double-edged sword we get really inspired by superheroes who are have the weight of the world on their shoulders and are smashing through their ordinary life and their superhero life which I I liken to being a working parent uh you know I come home I do the ordinary stuff and then I go and do my superpower somewhere else Mm. and they smash through it and, and usually there's a big season finale where they look like they're going to have an emotional breakdown and somehow they make it through. And I feel like we carry this through into our adult life in the way that we're supposed to, which is it doesn't matter if I'm ill, I'll still go to work. It doesn't matter if I'm stressed or having a really poor mental health day. I will smash this meeting. I will go through my targets. I'm going to prove that I can do it. I'm going to have this um brilliant thing that I've achieved whilst I run my home, whilst I get my children to school. And we're raised to think that giving 100% all of the time is the most celebrated thing in the world. And then again, it's that same thing. We get to 30 and everything crumbles. And then we have, you know, massive crisis existentially where we're like, oh my gosh, I, I stayed on the sofa all day. I didn't get out of bed today. I watched Netflix all day long. Does that yeah. make me a bad person? And I'm now realizing as an adult that that doesn't make me a bad person. I'm filling a cup. You know, I have to refuel. These films were cut badly. They didn't show the moments where they needed to refuel. They didn't show the moments where they fell apart continuously for a course of six months. <laughs> yeah, You know, it's it's not real. And so the only thing that So obviously I've made massive, massive changes for myself in realizing that those things are not real and that those people I looked up to. And when I was having that day where I thought, how am I going to do this? And I would think, oh, I came on. What would Buffy do? And then I'd go and I'd smash it.
1: Kill a vampire.
0: Yeah, I go kill a vampire. And I even I remember saying to Steve, I was doing these huge, huge projects. And I said to him, Oh, you know what? It feels like a season finale. Like it feels like it's impossible. I'm exhausted. I feel ill, but we're going to get through it. But by the end, I'd be in hospital. And so, what I'm now doing is completely changing the way I speak to myself, the way I build myself up. And that's really scary. But I'm also now making sure that I do this with the children in my life, not just my own, but any child who I find I spend time with is that I I place the emphasis more on people who look after their mental health so I have a 12 year old who is really smashing it at school but she was getting really funny about absences and I said right do you know what I don't even know you look ill I know you're not ill but mentally I think you need a mental health day and she took a mental health day and we had a blast we did nothing it was wonderful and she went back to school and smashed it and she said mom can I do that again one day and I was like of course you can because she's been programmed to think that that's not okay and I spoke to uh, she had parents evening the other day and she she's aced her exams and half of them were taken the days after she took that mental health day and they said, oh, you know, she was absent. Did she have COVID or something? Cause she really smashed those exams even though she was having to isolate. And I actually said to them, she, she wasn't isolating. We took a mental health day and there was silence on the other end of the phone because obviously parents evenings are done virtually now. Yeah. And every single one of them had this moment of, I, I think that that day really helped her because she came back confident. Not just because she'd rested, but because we'd had the conversation where I said to her, Bella, I am much, much more in favor of you feeling mentally capable than academically capable right now, because you cannot do one without the other. And um yeah, that's my advocacy right now. I it I don't even know what the question was. You see, I I it's the ADHD in me, I go off tangent, but I that just is think- fascinating,
1: but and this, this is coming from you as a qualified teacher as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I will stand up and I will continually stand up for children being able to articulate that they are not okay. You know, a child will come downstairs and they'll say, Mom, I've got a really bad tummy ache. I don't think I can go to school today. I trust my children when they say that implicitly and they know that, that, that I do. I yeah. want them to be able to do the same when they are feeling anxious, when they are feeling burnt out because it is just as important that we grow up able to identify when we need to take time for ourselves it is the most important thing a child can learn and i might have people really you know coming back at me with a lot of hate for this and that's fine you know i'll raise my children how i see fit but i just think if you go through life thinking that everything is about showing up 100% of the time even if you're only at 20% yourself you're going to lead yourself down a very negative road we have to make sure and I keep going back to filling this cup you cannot pour from an empty cup that is mentally as much as it is physically our brightest minds are only going to shine that way if they've had time to recharge
1: so just playing devil's advocate can the cup overflow or does the cup get bigger if you keep trying to fill it
0: I I definitely think the cup gets bigger Um, now the double-edged sword of that one is, I guess, if you're making your cup bigger, you are going to, well, you then start to understand the importance of filling it and that becomes a non-negotiable. And I don't think that that can ever be a bad thing because if you look at a child who has grown up knowing this, that being able to articulate when they're not okay and knowing how to make themselves feel better, that becomes the non-negotiable and what they will start to realize is anyone that they invite into their life will need to be aware of this whether it is a friend whether it is somebody that they are looking at as a life partner they're not going to sacrifice themselves when they meet these people because if these moments of rest of flow of feeling happy and doing all that it takes to feel that way so that they can go and work and do the things they love with passion and and gusto. That becomes something that they will not negotiate on. And so they'll quickly start to recognize their inner voice. And when somebody comes into their life that takes away from their ability to do that, I'm hoping they'll be able to stand up for themselves and say, I think that this relationship that we're starting to discover has an element of toxicity that I am not okay with. And they'll find that voice and their ability to say that and recognize it much more quickly than I think adults in our society have now. Because- yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, what well, basically, a, a lot of what you've just said is something that I covered in a An episode of the podcast recently so if that's kind of if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking yeah that sounds like uh something that i need to be able to do uh yeah there's a recent episode on how to set boundaries for yourself um because you know this idea of looking after yourself and saying yeah i need to do this so i can do that that is a that is a personal boundary and like down now so when someone comes into your life and you form a new relationship or you meet a new friend or whatever they have to understand that that's what those boundaries are and they're not yeah. to be negotiated because the boundaries are there for the the benefit of your own mental well-being so yeah it's um absolutely absolutely a must um so how do you if let's say there's someone listening to this right now and they know that they don't look after themselves well enough and they haven't even thought of the idea of self-care. How do you, what's your advice? How did you flick that switch and go, you know what? I need to do this now. I'm going to do this now. What, what's what's step one so, and two?
0: I mean, it's very important for me to clear that I find maintaining all of this all of the time impossible. And I would be lying if I said it was easy. Everyone is on a journey to do this sort of thing and it can be really overwhelming. So my biggest advice whether somebody is just starting out in a journey of kind of it sounds so kind of hippie. It's not, but it you know, self-care, self-discovery, and I mean this in just the way that they talk to themselves, things like that. It doesn't, it, doesn't it doesn't have to be
1: fluffy. No, windy, no, it does doesn't have to be fluffy and wanky. It
0: doesn't. It's it's just pick one thing and make, and, and covet that thing, make it, set a boundary around it, keep it safe. And once you've kind of mastered that, I, I know, I know it's uh it's like a three day thing to start to form a habit. I think it takes 36 days for that habit to then become ingrained or something like that. I don't know the numbers, but it takes a really long time. And you can't do that successfully if you're trying to change 50 things in your life at once, because it's going to overwhelm you and you're going to be like a pendulum. You'll swing all the way back. And so we're looking at the minutest little thing just to prove to yourself that you can do it. So mine actually started with just making my bed. Um, I, I wanted just to see if I could get into the habit of something immediately each day. And so I just started making my bed in the morning and I'm not saying like military s- style.
1: Have you seen that video about making your bed?
0: I have L- not. No.
1: So, um, so Danielle I can look this up. I can't remember the name of the guy. Um, in fact, I'm going to pause there and I'm going to quickly Google it. Um, so give me a second. But um
0: Oh, it's not that madman, is it? Because I heard it on a podcast yesterday where they were really slating him because he was making making your bed like a really big deal. But he's like almost a bit mad now. <laughs>
1: um. Uh, yeah. So the guy's name is he's a Navy SEAL admiral. It's called uh, uh William McRaven, which is it sounds like a made up name. If, if I'm perfectly honest, that's
0: an awesome name
1: MC Raven. Um. <laughs> that's his um. That's his DJ name. Uh, so yeah and he, talk, he talks about the importance of making your bed in the morning because then once you've made your bed no matter what else happens in your day at least you come back to a bed that's made and it's yeah, also the exactly. sense of, and also you've 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 achieved something I mean it might be a, a small job that takes you five minutes but you've achieved something so so that, is that what you started with
0: yeah and the thing is it really did have that impact because it's such a tiny thing I don't do it perfectly but I do it And that's the other thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. Um, And then once I'd done that, I started to make sure that I took my vitamins each day. And that meant drinking a little bit more water. So that already ticked a couple of boxes of things I wanted to get done. And then that moved on to, okay, well, if I'm taking vitamins each day, I need to make sure that I'm eating the right things so I can absorb those vitamins properly because lots of vitamins need a certain amount of fat or a certain amount of protein to be properly absorbed. And so I just started with things like that really. Um, And it's just building little routines in. And you'll know, you have a, a... a varied routine that you kind of keep to everybody does, you know, we wake up at a certain time each morning, we go to bed at a certain time each night. We know the sorts of things that we do each day, you know, what time we have lunch, what time we do this, what time we do that. Usually with most people, we tend to have a rhythm of our day. And so I would say just find one thing that can easily slot into the rhythm of your day and do that one thing and do it for a week. And then when you feel ready and when you feel like that thing isn't new and that it's manageable, maybe then add something else. And by the end of a month, you'll, you'll have be, a, you'll be able to look back and, and sort of think, actually, I have kind of helped myself a little bit and yeah. those things have become sacred. And that's the, that's my biggest piece of advice. And I know lots of people say the same is just find one thing or maybe experiment. So if that one thing didn't work for you, Pick another thing. Don't be hard on yourself. If it didn't work, go try something that you want to do next, and yeah, see the, how quickly that assimilates into your routine each day.
1: It doesn't. There isn't really a failure in this. It's just it's like experimentation with stuff. And I think, like, yeah, what you said, I think, is perfect advice. In that you find something small, like a five-minute task, which is going to improve your day one percent, and it only has to be one percent. Um, and the What I'd say on top of that, just to kind of make it even easier, is to use your phone to help you. So if it's something like Danielle said about slotting something into the rhythm of your day, so, right, well, I know at 11 o'clock I actually do have 10 minutes and I can do something in that time. Then set an alarm on your phone to go off at 11 o'clock with a, with a reminder saying, spend five minutes meditating or whatever your your thing is but actually have your phone remind you of it because it's going to be in your hand or it's going to be in your pocket or it's going to be in your bag let it go off and go oh yeah that's the thing I'm I told myself I'm going to do and it kind of it almost it's not quite accountability but you've got this reminder on your phone and you have to press the done button while you do on my phone to say I've done that thing so there's a small level of accountability which uh, can
0: absolutely and familiarity as well because even if you're just shutting that alarm off every day you're still now bringing that's still becoming part of your mindset is you're thinking about it so even if you're like "I I can't do that today you're still considering it. So it's becoming a familiarity. And one thing I will say about that accountability, because obviously on the one hand, we like to add things into our lives. On the other, we like to reduce certain other things. So I know that lots of us are guilty of, you know, when we want to kind of disassociate and and kind of numb ourselves, we'll often scroll through Instagram or TikTok and, that's a really difficult habit to get out of. And I'm personally not out of that habit. But what I have done is tried to make sure that the algorithm suits the life I want to have. And so if I know that I am going to be tempted by things like Instagram and TikTok, I will unfollow accounts that I feel like Either send me on a negative spiral or almost rot my brain because they're not particularly helping me. I look at accounts that will help my growth. So it might be an account where somebody is on a similar journey to mine. It might be somebody I really look up to. It might be an account that has just got lots of positive quotes various ideas for making life li- a little bit better each day. And so again, it's it's these teeny tiny minute changes. The thing is we become like the, I think it's the five people we spend our most time with. Now, most of us spend most of our time on our phone. And so I think that that rule assimilates. So if you're spending time looking at accounts of people just being idiots, then chances are you're mostly going to act like that for most of your day. Or you're going to be looking for only those things in your life. Whereas if you're following five accounts where you know it's people who are really, really positive, people who are interested in growing their lives, maybe a business post or tips and ideas for passive income or something that's going to help to develop you. It might even be a TikTok about really, really great books. And even if you're not a massive reader, you're, you might find one that sparks your interest. And then you might read instead of being on TikTok. And all of a sudden, these teeny tiny little minute changes just to what you're seeing each day, even if it's something on TikTok, something on Instagram, something on Facebook, they're so important. Because on the flip side of that, I bet you can single out people in your life who you know have been spending too much time on Facebook during the pandemic who have kind of become a little bit bitter and they may have said something recently to you where you're sort of thinking oh my gosh who are you because it goes the other way if you're spending time on those platforms and you're only looking at really negative things you know people where uh, pages where people joke about how negative their life is and and you're constantly seeing that, you start to behave in that way. So it's really important to surround yourself with podcasts and pages. You know the things that you go to without thinking.
1: Yeah, the make way sure that the positive. I the, yeah, I mean the, the way that I kind of teach it to kind of therapy or life coaching clients of mine with regards to social media is to make it very very binary and say. If you're spending too much time on Instagram, you know, and on Tiktok, you know, the algorithm is set up to drag you in and draw you in. So, you know, to, to a certain extent, it's not your fault because they're going to keep showing you stuff to keep you on there. But when it comes to certain accounts, make a decision. Is this helpful or unhelpful? Those are the two options. There's no neutral. Is this helpful to my life or is it unhelpful to my life? Um, and and notice I don't say negative or positive because I think that that's very, very subjective. It's like, does this help me? Does this actually help me? No, it doesn't help me. Then it's unhelpful. Then, okay, we don't follow them. Then it's helpful or unhelpful. Um, and that applies to, you know, accounts, um, business accounts. It applies to friends on Facebook. It applies to groups or, you know, fan pages, uh, the whole thing is it helpful or unhelpful
0: yeah it's so true and we can often find it sometimes it can be very difficult to be objective and the other my my sort of signaler for whether I should be on a page or not is the feeling I have in my gut Mm. um so if I suddenly feel kind of sad homesick I know it's usually a page where it's somebody who's really really well um, in terms of fitness really, really, uh, they've got like a lovely figure and they seem to have their life together. Sometimes I'll be looking at a page like that and I start to have that really sad feeling in my gut like, oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing this. I should be doing That's an instant gone from me. Um, because I know I'm doing all I can and I can't fit that in right now. And so I hide those accounts until I feel like I can, you know, dip into a little bit more of what they're doing, but yeah, going with your gut. If you've seen a comment on something and it's made you angry, I would just leave, just go. Write it down somewhere else. Don't feel like you need to comment and get into because you start you start to self perpetuate, and this is where we are seeing these really really angry people um, who don't seem to be progressing very much in their lives. They're just wallowing, and you do not want to be one of those people.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got the, the people where something bad happened to them fifty years ago, and they're still complaining about how badly they were treated by someone. And they yeah. think, oh my. God. Fucking God, move, move move, on. No, just uh, accept where you're at. Um,
0: Absolutely. And again, you know, it's very much about um, your locus of control. So whether you're very much external, internal. So again, and you can change that. So, you know, people who are very, very external, it is that woe is me. This person did this thing to me five years ago, and now I hate everyone who's similar in this way. Actually, you know, sometimes it's bringing that in a little bit and thinking, okay, well, I feel like that because of this. And actually, I'd like to feel happy and I need to move on. It's, yeah, it's a tricky one.
1: <laughs> I, I saw the most hilarious Tinder bio. Um, I can't remember what it was uh, a couple of months back. Um, but this girl said, uh, I'm looking for someone with a magic mic physique. Um, uh. as, as I've got a party I'm going to uh, in... Oh, whatever month, I think it must have been December. I've got a party I'm going to in December, and my ex is gonna be there. Um, I've we split up 10 years ago and I've had two uh kids since, but I really want to make him jealous. And I just went, oh my god, how many layers of tragedy do you want to to lay up, lay on in one paragraph? <laughs> it just, it's like, oh my god, it's like you've had two kids with someone else since um like move on.
0: Well, this what, is the thing, and I often wonder. Achieve? I do often wonder what keeps people in that exact phase of their um, trauma because I had similar issues when I was younger. I had a really nasty breakup, and the i I mean I won't go into my history, um, but I was pregnant at the time and at university. And what propelled me throughout my year there with the baby was getting back at this person
1: Mm.
0: and proving I could do it. And it was really funny because within about six months of having that mentality, I felt really good about what I was doing and thinking about doing it because I was trying to make them feel bad it became nothing. that that was gone. It was all about doing it for myself. And I sometimes wonder what the magic was in the crossover between doing something to get back at someone or doing it because you know it's good for you and that person's feelings really becoming nothing to you. And oh my goodness, if you could if you could figure out what that magic moment, was and bottle it and sell it I think you would be a millionaire because it's everything at that moment you know we all have it don't we we break up with someone and suddenly we're going to become an Adonis we're going to eat right we're going to feel great we're going to wear that dress and we, they're going to look at us and they're going to really feel bad about what they missed but then you it have definitely this... looked
1: at me when I wore that dress yeah.
0: <laughs> But the thing is, then you have a moment where you think, okay, well, what if this works a little bit too well? What if they do look at me and they do feel terrible? What is that going to mean for me? Am I going to take them back? Or have I now got to a point where I feel so good about who I am that I'm going to move on because that person no longer deserves my time?
1: I think it's interesting what you were saying. There's like the the difference between what you did there with kind of yes, I'm going to succeed at university to get back at you, is not quite the same as, oh, I just need someone hot to come to a party with me and make someone jealous, because there, there's a crossover in the fact that you're, both stories are about Isn't it re, about, I, about I, our but... revenge, but then there's a lack of crossover about, you know she, she, let's, let's say she makes him jealous, so what? There's no positive intent for anyone there, whereas your positive intent or your benefit was actually getting your teaching quality. It was, was your teaching qualification. I I,
0: I draw the parallel differently and I'll tell you for why I get it. You know, you, you find this new person and you're making them jealous, but again, there's that crossover between when are you going to go from needing to find somebody new to make that person jealous or to improve what you think a person should be, you know, in a couple with a person When does it go from I'm now with this new person because I don't want to be alone or because I want to make so-and-so jealous or because being with someone completes me as a person to actually I would like to be with somebody because I deserve to be with someone and I feel like I'm enough of a person now to be what somebody else deserves. I think it's very similar. I think we go from needing to have this thing for somebody else's gratification to then needing it for our own gratification. And, and not so much, a, you know, I'm a very fond believer and you shouldn't be with somebody because you need them. Yeah. You know, you yeah. should want to be with them because they make you a better person. But again, it's it's this it's this moment, isn't there, where we move past the grief of losing someone in our life. And I, yeah, I just, I can't put my finger on what that moment is.
1: I think what's interesting about what you just said is that yeah, you should it's it's not good to do something to make someone else jealous because it then is uh, an external motivation of which you have no control because you could do all of the things with the intention of making so and so jealous and then they could still not be jealous, and there isn't any positive benefit to that, but I think the f- the switch gets flipped when you realize that what you're doing is the right thing, but the reason for doing it needs to be one of uh, of, personal, of personal gain because, and, and, and that's the difference, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's so difficult, isn't it? When you're watching somebody who hasn't been able to flip that switch and have then kind of gotten themselves into sometimes a more difficult scenario and it happens so often and you know we we work predominantly in the wedding industry or you know that's where a lot of my experience is and the amount of times I've seen that happen breaks my heart it really does
1: yeah it's um it's not great <laughs> when when, nice. you see, when you see it happening and you see um, people struggling. But I think that the people that struggle the most are the people who perhaps shouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place because yeah. it was, it's, I mean, I, I know the, is it from Jerry? Is it from Jerry Maguire? So you, you complete me? Is that?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, yeah, the, the, the person shouldn't complete you because, yeah. That means you're not whole without them. Um, And it's important to be, you know, two wholes coming together rather than two halves. Um,
0: Yeah, you don't want those Pac-Men.
1: No, don't don't want kind of some weird Pac-Men looking face coming together. Um, (laughs) Because it might work and it might function and you might be okay, maybe even happy. But if you're not doing something whilst you're in that relationship to make yourself whole um, and the motivation doesn't tend to be there because you almost feel like you're whole because this other person is inverted commas completing you but that other person can lie cheat die <laughs> like anything um so it's important to be whole by yourself um god that was really do you negative think
0: that, do you know no but do you know what i think that that also applies to business I know that sounds really strange but if your life is only your business if you are using that to get every ounce of almost like self-affirmation or or whatever the word might be Mm. that's not sustainable and I think any relationship we have whether it is with our, our business baby, our actual baby, our spouse or a friend, becoming emotionally dependent on one area of your life is it's always a recipe for disaster. You have to have a balance in finding other things you love
1: well, I can't think of a better way to to wrap that up than than what you just said there exactly it's, <laughs> it's um I mean, I think we could have chatted all day long. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I've loved chatting to you about the importance of self-care, uh, how to how to start it, how to keep it going and how, yeah, it isn't actually very easy. Mm. Um, so if you've got any final tips you'd like to share with people who want to dive into a self-care journey. Uh,
0: well, one, one is the saying that I kind of give to myself, uh, which is, basically the relationship with yourself is the only one you're ever going to have that will last from the minute you're born to the minute you die. So it's really, really worth investing in. And my biggest tip for starting to do that is choose one thing. And um, that one thing predominantly, I mean, my first thing is obviously make your bed, maybe do a little bit of journaling, start to listen to your inner voice and take it seriously and allow it to become a positive one, because again, your inner voice doesn't shut up. It needs to be a good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just just as a, kind of a final point on all of that stuff, because I think that self care can be thought as being fluffy, and journaling can be thought as as wanky, and you know everything else can be thought of as very kind of new age or hippie or whatever. It's like, no one has to know about this. I mean, if you are really, <laughs> if you're really that worried about looking like a certain type of person because you're doing the sort of thing. I mean, first of all, it doesn't matter what other people think, but if you really, if that is your obstacle, no one has to know. You don't have to like go on your Facebook and say, hey, I just spent 15 minutes journaling about this and whatever. No one has to know. I
0: I have to say this. I have to say this and you can take it out or you can keep it. I don't mind. And, you know, it very much depends on what your audience like, but I'm going to use an analogy here. Okay. And it's it. going gonna, gonna to be inappropriate, but that's what, you know,
1: okay. I'm, I'm fully invested.
0: Right. There's one thing that people fail to talk about in the self-care chat, and that is masturbation. Now, we don't go on Facebook after we've done that and say, right, I've managed to do that daily for a week.
1: And Aren't I clever?
0: <laughs> I had the best I have been I've got a wank journal. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We don't say that because we don't fit. It's a very personal thing. Don't get me wrong. Some people love talking about it and that's absolutely fine. But most people do not tell their friends and family all about the fact that they are very, very successful in, um, masturbation they just don't and yet it's an incredibly important part of their life in most cases because if they if they don't do it maybe they you know it can have negative consequences and again you know it's not anything to be ashamed of it's just that it doesn't tend to be the first thing we speak about when we're trying to do more or less of it or or how we do it and yet we speak all day long about our exercise regime or whether we've given up alcohol for January or whether we're trying to drink more water and so I sort of think you know if if you don't feel bad about the fact that you're not telling the postman and your next-door neighbor about how many times a week you masturbate don't feel pressured to tell people whether you are working on your self-care because really they're one and the same. You yeah. don't have to make a big deal of it. I don't, you know, none of us go along saying, right, I managed to do that every day this month. Aren't I clever? We don't do it. If we need to do it, we do it. If we don't need to do it, we don't. And that's really important to bear in mind when you're trying to start self-care. Is they all kind of fall under the same umbrella. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't need to be one rule for one or one rule for the other. We don't put pressure on ourselves to do that. We just do it if we need to. And it's. I think it's very much the same with making sure you drink water every day or making sure you have your vitamins and make your bed. You do you and don't feel bad about it.
1: <laughs> Def- definitely leaving that in, that's the the, the perfect... The perfect analogy for it, and I think you know the same could apply with you know sex. You don't go on and say, "Yeah, me and my partner had sex last night twice." It's like <laughs> it's, it's like you don't put that on Facebook for your granny to see. It's just like that's just you know you have things which are personal to you which you keep to yourself, and you have things which are um, you know that you want to share with the world. Uh, yeah. So yeah keep the keep the things that you want to keep to yourself to yourself and don't feel bad about doing so because you already do it with many other things is the uh, the moral of the story exactly um, so if you've enjoyed listening to uh, danielle um then she has actually got a new podcast which she is working on at the moment um which is going to be coming to your ears soon so you, can, you want to tell me a little bit about what that's all about
0: Yeah, so it is a podcast that combines my expertise as a nanny and all of my years in looking after people at the very beginning of their lives. Uh, My conversations with one of my best friends in the world, who is a forensic pathologist, uh, who basically has uh, about 20 years' experience looking after people at the very end of their lives, or actually after the end of their life, actually, because She's obviously looking after the dead. Um, So we are chatting about everything our lives throw at us and answering questions. And um, it's been really funny actually, a lot of our uh, listeners, so for other podcasts that we do have sent in questions and I thought that they would mostly be for Judy. But what we found is that listeners have asked one question for both of us so an example being how do you deal with the smell <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah basically it's it's just us really chatting um answering questions from both of our career paths and just enjoying talking about kind of motherhood and our careers and everything in between really um so i'm i'm absolutely loving it because for me it's just an excuse to chat to her once a week because she lives in New Zealand and I really miss her so that's yeah fundamentally it's two friends with two very different careers uh just talking about life and answering a whole bunch of random questions and the questions are hilarious and some of them obviously are a little bit more delicate and a bit more deep which I'm loving as well because we're able to talk about questions a lot of parents have but are almost too scared to ask Yeah which is really, really lovely. Um, so that is called Cradle to Grave and will hopefully be out at the end of February.
1: Wonderful. I, I will certainly be tuning in because I'm interested to, I mean, it's a, it's an, it's a very interesting concept for a podcast. So um, yeah, I'd be very interested to hear what you've got to say about all of that. Thank so you. anyway, thank you so much for joining me today, Danielle. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for talking, having me. Oh, and the, my absolute pleasure um yes and i'm chris Piercy of just coaching if you're interested in chatting to me finding out about what i can do to help you whether that's with life coaching or hypnotherapy then head to gystcoaching.co.uk and you can book in a free consultation and we'll take things from there and i'll catch you for another episode soon
0: Head to gistcoaching.co.uk to read blogs, get in touch, or find out more about working directly with Chris to get your shit together. To follow us on social media, search for GIST Life Coaching.